Hello and welcome to Mystic Dog Mama, the podcast for soul-led dog mamas, where you'll discover how to best nourish your dog and yourself, mind, body, and soul. I'm your host, Dr. Alexia Meller. Hello again. It's so wonderful to have you joining me today. Do you remember me mentioning in episode one that I had discovered the universe's secret sauce of time travel and that if you were interested in hearing what I meant by that, you could message me and I'd do an episode on it? Well, quite a few of you did message asking to hear more, so I've made this episode for you. All right, so why did I mention the secret sauce of time travel in the first place? Well, I'm hoping that in talking about this, something you will take away is more trust and faith in your own path and in your ability to allow yourself to truly be yourself. I know that can sound cheesy, but what I mean by that is those of us who are consciously following the mystic dog mama path tend to be sensitive souls who are seeking a different way of being in this world than what the dominant culture tends to promote. And even though we know that we're choosing to be on this different path, it can sometimes feel like a struggle or we can really begin to doubt ourselves and question our choices because we don't necessarily see the path that we're on modeled in the world around us. And like Berdanya Swamitera said in our conversation, there's such value in sharing our experiences and our learnings in community. And so I'd love to know what taking this road less traveled has looked like for you and what has been helpful for you as you navigate that. So drop me a line on Instagram at Mystic Dog Mama. So back to the time travel thing. I'm going to share with you in this episode an experience that I had that upon reflection showed me without a shadow of a doubt that we are always being guided, even if we don't necessarily think so at the time. The recognition that came through this experience for me has been truly life-changing, and it's for that reason that I wanted to share it with you, because if in doing so I'm able to help you feel even a smidge of relief or support, then that's a wonderful thing. Okay, so here we go. In episode one, I was sharing my take on what purpose is and how my dog, Lucky, helped me to arrive at those understandings. Because I'm convinced that Lucky is actually a magician, he's also at the heart of the universe's secret sauce to time travel. And I'm not talking the Doctor Who or Back to the Future style of time travel where you get in a machine and plug in a year. But after the experience I had a few years ago, I absolutely believe that we are communicating with ourselves across time and space. I know, but stick with me. Have you ever experienced a niggling feeling that you can't quite put your finger on? That persistent feeling that something is going to happen or that you forgot to do something like turn off the oven or that you were supposed to meet up with somebody, but you can't remember who you were supposed to meet with or where or when. It's like a little gnawing in your stomach, but for the life of you, you can't make sense of what it's trying to tell you. You just know that you're supposed to pay attention. Well, a few years ago, I began getting a niggling feeling about dogs. Yes, I've always liked dogs, but I hadn't had a dog since I was a teenager. And for most of my life, I've been pretty nomadic. Having a dog was not at the top of my list because it just didn't fit with my lifestyle. But having moved around more times than I can remember, creating a base for myself has always been a dream of mine. 
And truly more than that, I think it's an attempt to heal some kind of core wounds. So flashback to 2005, I was living in a studio apartment in Boston in the U.S. I'd moved there with just a suitcase and my cat in order to pursue my dream of going to art school. The program that I had enrolled in was only supposed to last for one year, so I had a kind of temporary approach to everything because I didn't see it as a permanent move. It's an approach that I learned through our constant moves when I was a kid. Literally, my first move was at six weeks of age, and we moved every few years all across the country. I have absolutely no sense of a hometown or having grown up in a particular place. It's a foreign concept to me, to be honest. But moving around like this also involved not really investing in things, because you knew that you would soon be purging all of your stuff yet again in order to travel lightly. And it wasn't until a very dear friend of mine came over to my place one day and pointed out that I didn't have a dish rack to dry my dishes. She couldn't understand why I was just placing the washed dishes on towels next to the sink. And I replied to her that, yeah, there's something about getting a dish rack that feels kind of permanent to me. I mean, even saying those words out loud now just sounds so ridiculous. I don't really know what it was about a dish rack that felt like the equivalent of taking out a mortgage. I mean, it wasn't the cost. It was just what it had come to represent for me. I don't know, being tied down, locked in one place. My nervous system freaked out at the thought. It's just so funny to me how the most bizarre things can become personal symbols of our deepest core wounds. We started talking about the impacts of this temporary mindset that I had about places and ultimately that I had to life. I came to realize how this way of engaging or really lack thereof meant that I always had a foot out the door and an eye on the future. The result was that I was missing out on so much of the present and consequently of my life. Can you relate to this feeling of having one foot in the present and one foot in the past or the future? This was a real wake-up call for me. Anyway, owning a dog was always in the same category for me, as bizarre as this might sound, as owning a dish rack. But both symbolized being settled down to me, rooted, like a real home. And that day for me was always far, far off in the future. And honestly, it was an image that, although I craved it, it was so unknown to me that I was actually afraid of it. But like I said, a few years ago, something started to stir within me. For some unknown reason, I just started paying attention to people's dogs as I was walking down the street, like I was magnetically drawn to them, especially the smaller dogs. I'd make a mental note of the different small breeds I was seeing and say to myself, that dog seems pretty portable and would be easy to travel with. I actually surprised myself that this thought process was occurring. I was beginning to consider the possibility that a dog might actually fit into somewhat of a nomadic lifestyle, but only at a very hypothetical level. I also found myself, more than once, randomly walking down the pet food aisle in the grocery store and feeling a little tug at my heart. Nothing more, just a tug. And as an aside, since that time, I have definitely redefined what I consider the quote-unquote pet food aisle. 
Now my version of the pet food aisle looks like the butcher counter, the fruit and veggie aisles, and the canned fish aisles. But we'll cover fresh food shopping and making food for your dog in detail in future episodes. If you'd like me to take you along on one of my grocery store trips to show you how to super easily and affordably incorporate your dog's fresh food shopping with your own family's food shopping, let me know and I'd be more than happy to do a special episode on that. Okay, back to the tugs. Anytime I would have those thoughts and tugs, I would just push them aside, telling myself I wasn't in a position to get in my life to get a dog, at least not yet. But my love of puns finally pushed me over the edge into thinking that the quote-unquote one day I had imagined I would get a dog maybe closer than originally planned. I was living in Scotland and started joking with a friend about having a dachshund and naming him Haggis. If you aren't familiar with Haggis, it's a Scottish sausage, and I thought the name would be most appropriate for a little sausage dog. The joke developed a life of its own, and Haggis became an ongoing fictional character in my life, like a kind of canine imaginary friend. If you listened to the first episode, some of this next bit will be familiar to you, but I'll share the basic gist of it for those who haven't listened to the episode yet. So stick with me because we're getting to the time travel thing in just a minute. So flash forward a few months, I decided to travel to Mexico to spend some time with friends and family. And at the time, I was at a real crossroads in my life and felt pulled to embark upon a kind of soul-searching pilgrimage. My plan was to regroup and map out a walking trip initially, my own Camino of sorts. I had in the back of my mind the imagery of the Fool card in the Rider-Waite-Smith tarot deck. On that card, a young jester is setting off on his own hero's journey. He carries a knapsack and is traveling with a small white dog running beside him just as he's about to step out in a leap of faith. The spirit of the card resonated deeply with me. One day, I was sitting on the beach and feeling pretty hopeless. And I know it's such a cliche, but that was part of what made me feel such despair. The irony wasn't lost on me that I was sitting in one of the most beautiful places on earth, but I also couldn't ignore just how empty and adrift I felt. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw two small dogs playing and running towards me, and a woman chasing after them. One of the dogs was the smallest bundle of white fur you could imagine, running as fast as it could straight towards me. It leapt into my lap and leaned straight up to my face to cover me in sweet puppy kisses. The other dog was not far behind, and along with the woman yelling to me, I'm so sorry. She caught up to the dogs and explained that the larger of the two dogs was her dog, but she was only fostering this little puppy. She asked if I might by chance know anyone who might be looking to adopt a dog. Eek, that little tug was back. I told myself, push it down. I said to the woman, no, I'm sorry. I don't know anybody off the top of my head, but I'll let you know if I hear of anyone. And then I immediately thought to myself, don't tell her that. You want that dog. Forget about what makes sense and just do it. I couldn't believe this inner dialogue that I was having, but I also couldn't deny that something had been lit within me. The genie was out of the bottle and was not interested in going back in. For days afterwards, I would go to the beach in hopes of seeing this little pup, having convinced myself that if I ran into him again, I would just have to accept that it was an act of the gods and fate, and I'd just have to figure out a solution, come what may. 
Occasionally, I would see the woman in her van, but I didn't see the pup. And after about a week or so, I went to a different part of the beach, and I actually ran into the woman, handing the pup over to his new family. It was such a bittersweet moment. On the one hand, I was obviously thrilled that this little fluffball had found his new family at home, but on the other hand, I couldn't believe how heartsick I felt. It was that feeling when you know you've missed out on an opportunity and you could just kick yourself, but there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. We have an expression in the UK that sums it up perfectly. I felt absolutely gutted. During this time, I decided to go see a local curandero or a healer to help me unblock my chakras. I was feeling overwhelmed and demoralized by the change in direction in my life and felt that I needed to clear the energetic cobwebs, so to speak. And when I went to the curandero and told him what I was there for, he just laughed at me and replied, you don't need your chakras unblocking. You're a bruja, a witch, and you need to learn how to work with your energy. That's why things have fallen apart for you. He also told me to be keenly aware of dogs and cats that cross my path, particularly at that time, because they're healers for me. Having had this confirmation, I definitely felt like I was on a mission, looking out for all cats and dogs that I would see, wondering if this one was the one I was supposed to connect with. Shortly after that, Lucky quite literally showed up on my doorstep. Okay, so this is where the time travel comes in. Prior to traveling to Mexico, I had listened to an interview with the author Derek Rydell about his book, Emergence, Seven Steps for Radical Life Change. In this interview, he discussed the concept of the universal law of emergence, which suggests that, much like an acorn contains all that is needed within it to become the oak tree, we too contain within us all that is needed to support our own evolution our soul's evolution. While some things might be latent, when we're ready to open up to possibilities, these things become activated. And because of this, Rydell suggests that at conscious and subconscious levels, we will call in and create all of the circumstances and resources that are needed to support this evolution. Things begin to emerge into our reality in a kind of magical unfolding. There is absolutely no doubt in my mind that the reason Lucky showed up on my doorstep is because he is 100% one of my greatest teachers in this lifetime. He has taught me and continues to teach me so much that I could never have anticipated. Some people say we enter into this lifetime with soul contracts that we have made with others, humans and animals alike and that we agree to show up for one another to support each other's growth and journeys. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if this is something that Lucky and I agreed to do for one another. That being said, in order for Lucky to enter my life, something had to shift within that version of me that wouldn't even buy a dish rack for fear of commitment. I had to open to the mere possibility of welcoming a dog into my life. Or perhaps some latent knowing within me about the contract Lucky and I have with one another needed to be awakened. This process started well before I met Lucky. Looking back, that awakening began with those little niggles that had me eyeing up other people's dogs, feeling heart tugs in the pet food aisle, and of course Haggis, my imaginary dog. You could even argue that the awakening started with the dish rack incident itself. 
That process continued when I connected with the Fool tarot card and the imagery of the jester and his little dog as they started off on an unknown journey together. And that awakening process continued even more when I saw the little white furball of a puppy on the beach. All of these things, including the curandero telling me that cats and dogs are my healers, were small puzzle pieces that came together in order to prepare me for the exact moment that Lucky would arrive, and I would confidently, without any reservation, agree to take him in. That was the final piece of the puzzle I had been unknowingly putting together over the period of a couple of years. Reflecting back on this course of events has been incredibly powerful in my spiritual awakening journey and in my overall healing journey, which are inextricably linked, in my opinion. I have come to realize that even in the darkest of times, the times I have had the most doubt, there is a part of me, a future version of myself, that is calling back to me, beckoning me towards her. She weaves a thread, leaving me clues and breadcrumbs in the form of nudges and niggles. She orchestrates synchronicities in the most amazing ways. And she absolutely has a sense of humor. But most of all, she gives me confidence that I can and will get through this. I'm learning to develop a relationship with this future version of myself. I'm learning to trust her, to learn her languages, and to place my faith in her when I can't seem to place my faith in the current version of myself or my current circumstances. So you might be wondering how you can actively connect with your future self. Well, here are a few tips. In fact, here are 3.5 tips. (laughs) Number one, I'm sure you've heard the adage, what you want, wants you. And I do agree with that. But... I think a more useful way of thinking about this goes something a bit like, what wants you, you will want. Because sometimes what we think we want really isn't in our best interest. And sometimes what wants us, at first, seems terrible or unreasonable or totally out of character and impossible for the current version of ourselves. Trusting in the fact that what wants you you will eventually want, means you open yourself up to completely new possibilities. Tip 1.5. I call this 1.5 because it's so linked to noticing that what wants you, you will want. Again, trust those niggles. Just note them. Pay attention and get curious. They just may be your future self telling you that something is coming and lining up and breadcrumbs are being placed in your path. Tip number two, treat your identity as something you try on rather than something fixed that defines you. After all, your 3D ego identity isn't really the infinite source energy that you truly are. So if we are here to experience as much as we possibly can, why not try on different versions of yourself? Who would you like to become? What does this future version of yourself do or feel Or even where? How can you live into this future version of yourself today, even if just a smidge? It's a little bit like turning the radio dial for those of us old enough to remember doing that. You sometimes have to go a bit higher, a bit lower, and finesse it until you manage to tune into the station clearly. 
So try on different versions of yourself and see what you discover. As a fun side note, I used to really envy women who had the guts to wear super bright lipstick. I know, it sounds ridiculous. But they looked so beautiful and confident. And wearing color like that just didn't feel like me. And that thought was exactly what propelled me to the beauty counter to try on the boldest, brightest colors they had. Because I wanted to be bold and experiment with trying on that version of me who could and would wear a bright color without fear of what others would say, or perhaps more importantly, the fear of what I would say. I wanted to step out of the identity box I had so carefully crafted for myself. I felt an immense sense of confidence as I walked up to the cash register and purchased the most beautiful and out-of-character magenta lipstick I had ever seen. And I loved learning about this version of myself who was bold enough to wear it. What is hilarious to me is that I actually got a tattoo years before I would even dare to wear bright magenta lipstick. But like I said, I found getting a dish rack difficult. Tip number three. Remember that life happens through you and for you. You are an important thread in this rich, ever-expanding tapestry of life. You might not be able to see it at the time, but the twists and the turns that life takes you on, many times leaving great wounds behind, are very often the things that, if you will allow them to, can leave you heartbroken open, as a dear friend of mine says. These are the things that allow us to have compassion and empathy for others who are having a similar experience. They're also the things that make us wise teachers and healers, supporting others on their journeys through similar trials and tribulations to the ones we survived. Your future self knows exactly what she's doing and how to best prepare you for the most extraordinary version of yourself that you're growing into. Trust it and trust her. Today, I am trying on the ever-evolving identity of Mystic Dog Mama. Honestly, I often look at Lucky's gorgeous little face and say to myself, Oh my god, I have a dog. I'm responsible for this beautiful being. I remember many of my friends who are moms to human kids saying a very similar thing when they had their little ones. I love growing with Lucky and learning how best to be a mama to him, knowing that this will look different each and every day. For me, being a mystic dog mama is a way of engaging with and being in the world that I'm constantly forging, co-creating, and navigating. It's a commitment to exploring and practicing as best I can holistic nourishment for myself and for Lucky. Health, physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual, operates as an ecosystem. As I learn to trust and value my own voice and authority in this space, My goal is to help you trust yours so that you can better serve your dog, yourself, and the planet. Thank you so much for joining me today. Have you had similar experiences where you look back at your life and realize that seeds were being planted to help you grow into the version of yourself that you are today? Or have you maybe noticed some areas of your life where you've told yourself you're a certain type of person or you can only be a certain way? I'd love to hear about it. You can also let me know which of these 3.5 tips you found the most helpful. Please message me on Instagram at Mystic Dog Mama. 
And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. I would be so grateful. And it really helps other Mystic Dog Mamas who are looking for support and community to find the podcast. And while you're at it, please let me know what topics you'd like me to cover to best help you live your best Mystic Dog Mama or Papa life with your own pup. And finally, just a quick note to let you know that this episode was supported by Aspirationary, which again, in full transparency, is another project of mine where we make books, notebooks, and stationery to help you become all you aspire to be. Check us out on our Instagram page. Oh, I'm also very happy to report that yes, I do indeed have a dish rack. Okay, until next time.